0: on. They will contrast the kingdom of this world, the the kingdom, the the world that we live in, with the kingdom that God has envisioned for us. And the question that we will ask over and over and over again is, which kingdom are you following? And um, again, As Jeff said earlier, it's just some crazy times that we are living in these days. And I think it becomes even more important for us to stay grounded in the example and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And this series will help us draw that distinction between what is so clearly of this world and what is not. What is of God's kingdom, of Of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus so wants us to live into fully. So today we begin to piece together these distinctions to compare and contrast these kingdoms by listening to a parable about mixing the old with things that are new. So from Luke chapter 5 verses 36 through 39 we have the parable of the wine and the wineskins. Then Jesus told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment to patch an old garment. Otherwise, the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't match the old garment. Nobody pours new wine into old wineskins. If they did, the new wine would burst the wineskins, the wine would spill, and the wineskins would be ruined. Instead, New wine must be put into new wine skins. No one who drinks a well-aged wine wants new wine, but says the well-aged wine is better. This is God's word for all of us, God's children. (laughs) In my mom's house, uh, old house where she used to live, there was a hook that she had attached above the dish drain. And on that hook, it was like a cup hook, she then attached a a clip, a plastic clip that you would use to clip like a bag of potato chips. And from that clip, almost every time I entered the house, there would be plastic Ziploc bags that she had washed in order to reuse. And I'm not talking like just one rewashing and reusing. These bags were well washed and well used. I wonder, are you the kind of person that tosses a used Ziploc bag in the trash? Or do you rewash it and reuse it over and over? Now, this practice kind of drove me a little crazy, and I have ended up uh, finding a happy medium. I found rewashable, reusable plastic Ziploc bags. They're like thick and sturdy and not meant to be thrown away, and that makes me feel a little bit better. Because there were times when I would look and think, Oh my gosh, these have seen better days. It is time to toss because my mom could get more mileage out of a plastic bag than anyone I knew. Although I don't think, no, I know, they never held wine in them. And thank goodness plastic has a better reuse life than uh, old animal skins but the parable that we're ta- parables in general that we're talking about that Jesus uses has a couple of things that I think are helpful for us to remember as we delve into this teaching tool that Jesus used that, first of all, they are riddles or lessons that are meant to compare and contrast and to use metaphor in order to to have that nugget of learning, to teach us something. And they are a way of, and this is what Jesus used so beautifully, they're a way of taking a complex truth An idea that's multifaceted, but using simple images, everyday common images and words would convey a tricky, complex, interesting message. And a lot of times he used uh, farming, the, the agrarian world that Jesus was so a part of during his time. And even though parables weren't a new tool, He used them in a a clever new way that no other rabbi of his time had been using parables. And his parables about the kingdom often, often talked about things that were already happening. They were already taking place. They just weren't perfected. And I think this is really important for us to be mindful of. We're not talking about some, some future time that's so far away and so inconceivable that we just you know, live our life now and wonder or hope that it will happen sometime. Because Jesus has come, this kingdom has already broken into this world, our world, in this time, in our time. And he is continuing to try and help us live more fully into that kingdom um, by by looking at the here and now while anticipating the future. And then, as always, just as a reminder, his stories were very disruptive and sometimes disturbing. They always turned things upside down. They went against the mental models of how things were supposed to be. And for some people that can drive them crazy. So the parables can be a bit frustrating or disturbing, disruptive. So get ready because here we go again. What can we learn then specifically from this parable about the wine and the wineskins and the, the garment? It's a familiar parable, and I'm sure you know this by now, but but let me remind us why it was problematic to put new wine in old wineskins. The issue was putting unfermented wine in an old goat skin um, would cause a big mess. Because the old old goat skin was brittle and cracked, Uh, it was inflexible, and it was rigid because it had already done its work New, unfermented wine will continue to age, and in that process, it will emit a gas that will then expand and cause that old wine skin that's, that's already rigid to burst because there was nowhere for the gas to go. There was nowhere for that, that wine skin to, to be able to, to expand. And in the, as a result, you lose both the new wine as well as the old wine skin, So you put new wine into new wineskins that are made for this new wine that can adapt and grow and expand uh, with the wine as it goes through that necessary aging process. Similar with the parable about the cloth. When trying to patch up something old, you don't ruin a brand new piece of cloth by like cutting out a hole and then putting that nice new spiffy bright colored cloth on the the, the garment that you're trying to patch up. And a lot of times it, it hasn't even shrunk. Like it, it's not a good fit. You're better off, Jesus says, making a brand new garment from the brand new material. <clears throat> So at face value, what is Jesus really trying to say with these two parables? A little bit of context is always helpful with the parables. A few verses earlier, we hear about the disciples of John the Baptist being concerned that Jesus' disciples are not fasting. And they, they're worried about that because Jesus' disciples didn't fast like either the disciples of John or actually even typical disciples of Pharisees of their time. And they've just watched Jesus and his crew eat a meal with a group of tax collectors, which were a very, very questionable company. And when they confront Jesus about why his disciples don't fast, Jesus whips out these two parables in response. And this is where Jesus, once again, takes what is expected and flips it upside down, the the everyday, normal world of their time, and he turns it um, up, upends it. Fasting was one of the three most important religious duties of the day, along with prayer and almsgiving to the poor. These were the, the core facets of how you practice your faith as a Jewish person. And Jesus is giving this simple explanation. There's a time for fasting and there's a time for feasting and celebrating. It was once again an unexpected answer. To that end, Jesus is not necessarily being critical of old wineskins. And this is important to hear throughout this whole uh, message and this whole studying of this story. They're actually fine. As long as they are holding the old wine, not the new. So, for clarifying what Jesus is actually saying here, it's important for us to be able to distinguish the difference between the wine. ...and the wineskins. This is really, really an important distinction that we've got to hold. Because the most important thing is the wine itself. We can't lose sight of that. The wine is what is precious. The wine is what we want to take care of. But the container it's in matters. It needs to match the content. It needs to allow that wine to age appropriately... Because the best wine, the best wine comes with that proper aging. All right. So as typical with the, proverb, or the well, Proverbs, the um, parables, what is it that Jesus means by the wine and the wineskins? What do they represent? Old wineskins represent traditional thinking. In Jesus' time, it would be the tradition of the elders or it would be the Jewish piety. It would be how they practiced their faith. Because they practice it using the Old Testament as their guide. In our time, it might look a little bit more like, this is the way that we've always done it kind of thinking. Sometimes we have done things the same way for so long that we forget what we're still doing or why we're still doing it that very same way. Old wineskins can reject the uh, sense of new and it can reject fresh ideas. And this is a problem because if it's the church that is rejecting the new ideas, then the church begins to become irrelevant. New wineskins represent Christian discipleship in contrast to that Jewish piety. It was a new movement. It was a new way of thinking. It was a new, uh, it, it provided new methods for accomplishing and practicing our spiritual goals. It was a way of offering new blessings. So what does the wine itself represent if we want to hold that distinction? We can understand the new wine and the new garment as Jesus' new movement or the kingdom. The old wine would represent those Jewish religious traditions as learned from the Old Testament. What's a little tricky here is it requires a little bit of intellectual jujitsu in its actuality because the wine itself is actually the new wine. It's the same as the old wine in a lot of ways. They're both talking about the kingdom of God, the core of what God is trying to do here on earth. It looked one way from the Old Testament perspective, but with Jesus in breaking into our world, it looks a lot different. But it's still about establishing God's reign, God's will, and God's ways here on earth. In other words, it's a reinterpretation. Of the same thing, the same kingdom, just expressed differently, ultimately leading to the same God intended outcomes. So Luke's Jesus is suggesting here that while his kingdom is like new wine, which cannot be contained or regulated by the tradition of the Pharisaic elders. It is actually still in accord with the real old wine, which is in alignment with the biblical tradition. And this is where it starts to get tricky, because the tension is between the old wineskins and the new The problem is that leaders of Jesus's day were trying to force Jesus's teachings and Jesus's actions into their mental models of their old and traditional ways of doing things. And you know what? It wasn't working so well. Jesus didn't fit those models. And Jesus is telling them, hey, y'all, if you look at this picture long enough, you will see yourself. You'll see that my gospel, the the new wine of my gospel, it's too radical for these old wineskins of your religious orthodoxy. You'll see that the new wine of my kingdom is too subversive for this religious rigidity of your system, the box that you have so tried to lock God into. I've got to do a radical thing. And we have to change it and make it brand new because what you've been doing hasn't worked out so well. Just a few examples of this new radical teaching that Jesus might have been referring to. Well, first of all, baptism instead of circumcision. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) He also taught where... um, We are supposed to love our enemies. Our love is supposed to be extended to the ones that hurt us, that drive us crazy, to our enemies. He also taught total denial of self is required. Total denial of self is required. And possessions, yep, we're supposed to give them to the poor. Oh, and don't forget the turn the other cheek, that somehow we're supposed to find within us a way when someone is is pushing back against us that we turn the other cheek. Oh, yeah. And what about live by the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law? That one drove people crazy, particularly the Pharisees what's going on here is that the Holy Spirit is working in the midst of this kingdom that Jesus is trying to break in once again into the world. And as the Holy Spirit moves, it's the one that is creating this release of these gases in the fermenting process of trying to perfect our will and our ways. In other words, the Holy Spirit needs space to work Thus, the need for the new wineskins to receive Jesus' teachings, to let them grow and expand within each one of us. But here's the bottom line. As we understand Jesus' teaching, we see that Jesus is doing a new thing, both in our church, in our midst, in our hearts. And if, in fact, Jesus enters our life, enters our heart, then nothing else can be the same. It just can't be as it was before. We have to figure out how to create some symbolic new wineskins in our heart, or we will be just like those Pharisees, trying to force Jesus' transforming power in our lives into this tiny box that will not give him room to actually do the transformation within us he's longing for. And for some of us, that is scary to hear. This story brings with it both a threat and a promise. And we have to be able to hear and discern the difference. Jesus may very well be breaking down boundaries that we were desperately trying to hold in place. And this can feel like a threat, especially if we hate change. Yet, this boundary-smashing Jesus is our only hope of deliverance from all that holds us captive. And this is the promise we find in this story. And church, we have been forced into a new time and a new way of doing things this past year. And now more than ever, we have to be comfortable to find new wineskins to hold the movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst, or we will crack and break. The old wineskins of ministry from even a year ago are just that. They're old. They're old. And it's crazy for me to even be saying less than a year ago our ways of doing ministry are old and some of them outdated as we come out of this time of covid praise be to god because we are we are going to be coming out of this time of covid please 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 don't force everything back into the expectations of life in ministry as it was pre-covid there are so many opportunities that now have opened up that have have in light speed kind of expedited the way we can and must do church. It's just this live stream is a gift in the way that it allows us to reach people who would not even be near us geographically. Or, as life has continued to happen, would not necessarily be in this space on Sunday mornings. But we can still connect and reach and help you worship in spite of that change in time and space or a new use of time and space. And technology, it is allowing us to do discipleship in ways that we really hadn't seriously explored before. It has caused us to rethink what is community, what does community look like, and and how does it work and function? There are so many opportunities that will come out of this that I pray that we can hang on to. Because children of God, we must find ways to adapt our own spiritual, uh, our own personal spirits, as well as our church community, In this movement that God in our very midst is in the process of doing in this crazy new world. If we don't figure out how to adapt, then we will crack and break and we'll spill all of this precious new Holy Spirit possibility out onto the ground instead of letting it transform our hearts and the hearts of others. So let me close with this final point. The blessing and the good news is, in all of this, that Jesus is not, not, not rejecting the old way of doing things. This story is not about judging and condemning who's right, who's wrong, what's old, what's new. It's about understanding how God works generation after generation. Y'all, God is the most adaptive being in the world. God figures out new ways of showing us the kingdom of God. And as verse 39 says, the well-aged wine is in fact the best. But in order for God's wine to age well, it has to be placed in the correct container when it's new in order to allow it to age properly. So old wineskins have done their job because at one time or another, they were new wineskins holding new wine. (laughs) Y'all, those of us that are getting older, we know what that means. (laughs) We once can imagine that new wine and those new wineskins, but improperly aging that kingdom wine. Then it begins to to come into full fruition. Then it begins to become its more perfected self as it transforms into that aged wine. With each new batch of new wine, with each new iteration of what God's kingdom looks like, We need new wineskins or new methods of communicating and new ways of demonstrating God's kingdom. So that new message can grow and expand and impact and connect with each new generation. So will you join me in being open to this latest batch of God's kingdom wine And will you help me find the best new containers to hold it, to take care of it, so we don't spill it onto the ground and lose it? Because I don't want to waste a drop. So instead of saying, this is how we've always done it, maybe we say, God, what do you have in store for us next? Because believe me, God is weaving a new bolt of cloth and God is preparing a new batch of wine for us as we speak. And if the kingdom of God is like new wine, then how will we choose to receive it? Amen. Amen.